Welcome back to the You Are More podcast, where we learn how to live outside the box and love inside the bounds of God's perfect plan. My name is Annie Harton, the founder and CEO of You Are More LLC in Indianapolis. This episode is a conversation with Andrew Birnat. He currently works as an author success coach for selfpublishing.com and has personally helped me in my self-publishing journey. I'm excited for us to learn more about his story. Welcome, Andrew. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Annie. You're welcome. Thank you for being a part of this. You got it. So can you provide us with a brief introduction of yourself and how you enjoy spending your time? Sure. A little bit about me. Uh, Married, been together with my wife for six years. We have two daughters and we're expecting our third daughter coming up soon. And we just bought a house. So very, very busy uh, on my end of life uh, on top of career and, and other projects that I work on. So my career is in the author success realm where I help authors write, publish, and promote their books in a self-publishing fashion. So they retain full rights, full control, and they have the ability to to modify, edit, change, and do whatever they want with their book. No one's going to tell them no. The market may tell them no if they do something that doesn't work, um, but you get you get full full reign of control. And so as a coach, I absolutely love doing that. So professionally, that's what I do. I also do some speaking and workshops outside of that, um, just for kind of personal topics. I'm interested around personal growth and podcasting and other stuff. And I also have my own podcast and I've written a couple of my own books as well. So my books were in the fitness industry, which was a industry I was in previously to being a coach. So yeah, just a little kind of quick uh, synopsis of me. It's kind of some of the stuff that I'm up to these days. Awesome. Well, congratulations on expecting. And I know you just bought a house and you have a lot of exciting things in store for you and your family. So that's exciting. 100%. Yeah, we're doing And I will tag your information in the show notes so people can check out your podcast. And your sure. book. Thank you. So um, I wanted to ask, uh, can you tell us more about uh, your story and some boxes or labels that you or others you serve have been stuck in? Sure. I'll tell you about one for me, actually, that I was stuck in was party boy. That was one that I got stuck in in college. And, you know, I, I kind of became known as this kind of crazy guy, fun guy, and I had a great time. I made a lot of friends. Um, however, for me, I kind of got got stuck in the in the cycle of every night was like, oh, what are we doing tonight? What are we doing tonight? And it started always revolving around alcohol. Alcohol was fun. Alcohol was the only way to have fun, was the only way to engage with other people. And so obviously that did not go well. (laughs) Um, You know, just knowing that uh, and kind of seeing that play out, um, you know, it it led me to a very, very dark place. I actually ended up getting fired from my first job out of college. Um, You know, I never showed up drunk to work or anything, but it was one of those, I just, I wasn't happy. I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't doing good work. And that was obvious, you know, they tried to help me in, in all the ways that they could, but it just, it just didn't work. And so they, they did me the mercy of letting me go. Uh, that's when I changed careers and, and made a lot of other big changes in my life. And and for me, you know, God, God's worked tremendously in me um, to, to help with those changes. So uh, as of right now, I am seven years alcohol free. Um, and so for me, that was a, that was a hard label, a hard, a tough box to climb out of. Because all my friends liked going out and drinking. All my all my peers, like everything that I did revolved around that personality. And in a lot of ways, that personality was somewhat accurate, right? The kind of party boy mentality. But, you know, I, I'm very much a party waiting to happen kind of person. I, I show up and I have energy and I have excitement. Um, 
And so what I needed to do was I, I wanted to still show up as that authentic version of myself, you know, this person with high energy and a lot to give, but I didn't want to necessarily show up like an idiot or, or necessarily have to show up all the time with alcohol. And so that was a major, major change for me. And there's a ton of stuff that I had to do to, to work through that. Uh, and I'm more than happy to kind of, kind of dive into that if you want to, but I'll kind of, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll pause there. Yeah. Um, how did that identity um, line up with your relationship with your wife? Because as a marriage and family therapist myself, I'm very interested in how people um, show up in, in dating and relationships. So, you know, what do you, what do you think about the impact that that party life or that change of lifestyle affected uh, your marriage? Yeah. So hundred percent. So my wife and I did not know each other, fortunately, during that time. And for the astute listeners, you, you heard that I've been married for six years and I've been sober for seven. And mm-hmm. so I actually, on, at the urging of my counselor, he had encouraged me, hey, maybe take a little bit of time off from alcohol. And I pushed back. I was like, nah, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm fine. Um, you know, alcohol is happiness. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, sitting down on, yeah, I was like a Budweiser commercial, you know, like sitting down on a dock on a sunshiny day, drinking a beer. There's nothing better. Eat, and drink, so, and be merry. That's right. That's hundred <laughs> percent that, you know, to, to me, they were all the same. They were all tied together. And, and, and it wasn't until I had literally the most epic hangover of my entire life um, that I started rethinking things. Um, and so, you know, I had basically like a three day bender, um, and you know, was, was basically intoxicated for three days straight. And at the end of that, I was in a horrible, horrible spot. Like I just, I could barely move. Like I felt terrible. Um, and I'd actually, my, uh, counselor had given me the Alcoholics Anonymous book. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled it off my bookshelf and literally just started kind of like leafing through. I was laying on my side in my bed because I couldn't like in the, in the fetal position, I couldn't do anything else. And I'm just flipping through the, the AA big book. And so just kind of just reading that and kind of hearing some of the stories in there and, and just kind of, kind of starting to think about like, what are you doing, man? You know, like, and I had, I had embarrassed myself that weekend. Like, I was like, wh- like, why, why am I doing this? And I was like, well, who's really in control here? Right. Who, who is, who is the master of the situation? Cause Based on this weekend, it doesn't seem like it's me. And so I was like, you know what? He he'd encouraged me to just commit to like a short period of time. And so I'm like, I'm going to commit to 90 days and do three months, no alcohol. Uh, and it just so happened that the uh, the day I woke up with this massive hangover uh, was the beginning of the month. It was September 1st. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, what a time to start. So today's the day. Technically, I might still be intoxicated, but we'll call it day zero. Um, <laughs> you know, I haven't had any, any to drink today. Um, and so that was kind of the start. And, you know, the first couple of months, you know, fortunately, I wasn't like chemically addicted. So that was a positive. Uh, I didn't have to go through any, any withdrawal or anything like that. Um, but it was a crutch for me. Alcohol was very much a crutch in my life. And I, and I had to rely on it and, and uh, in a sense, kind of use it in order to uh, handle certain social situations or, or other things. And so um, when I started uh, kind of dialing back and when I was like, hey, I'm not drinking right now, um, obviously my drinking buddies were concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because there's, there's, it starts to reflect back on them when someone stops, when someone that has been enabling your behavior kind of dials back from that enablement a little bit. 
Um, and so, you know, kind of got into a, a little bit of some arguments and some, some challenging conversations with some friends of mine. And that was actually, that was really hard for me. Uh, number one, I, I never dealt with conflict well. And so just dealing mm. with conflict was, was something that I tended to avoid, hence leading into alcohol more. And, and so dealing with that conflict was difficult, but it was also tough because I started seeing like some of these people aren't friends with me. They're friends with this party boy persona that's not actually me. Uh, and so at the end of that 90 days, I felt better than I ever had in my entire life. I felt better spiritually. I felt better mentally. I felt better physically, uh, emotionally, just about everything that I could think of. I was like, I feel better. It was like, it was like all of a sudden this weight had been lifted. Like, I feel amazing. Um, and I'm like, why would I willingly go back to not feeling this great? Um, and so, you know, I've been very blessed, very fortunate that staying sober has been an easier journey for me than others, um, because it was such a stark change. It's been such a dramatic difference for me. Uh, obviously, counseling, uh, you know, for me, uh, regularly attending church and being in, in community and groups with mm -hmm. other Christians, like all of these things are huge, huge parts of my journey. Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't be where I am without that, by the grace of God. So that's, kind of, that's a little bit uh, of that story. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing all that and that you were kind of starting to describe that you felt like you were more than just the party, party boy. And so you, you started interacting with people with more awareness of who the real Andrew is. 100%. And, and so that was something that you like, you had that transition, like those 90 days or those struggles of figuring out friend groups and figuring out your health and figuring out just how all the other areas of your life were impacted by that box. That life was much more than just the party lifestyle. So, so what was that uh, growth experience like for you? As I told you before, I heard you on another pod podcast talking about just how uncomfortable growth, growth can be sometime and how, uh, those 90 days probably felt like forever in some, you know, in, in some ways. So, so tell me just about the process of getting out of that box and seeing yourself for the injury that you are. Yeah. So the, is kind of two different time periods, right? Is seeing mm -hmm. myself as I do now, that's taken a long time. <laughs> it's yeah. been a lot longer than the 90 days. Um, and so we could talk, maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about yeah. that as, as yeah. kind of the second part. And some of the challenging things that I had to go through, um, you know, in that 90 day period, um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned the conflicts with friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then the other one is like, what happens when I show up and there's other people that are consuming alcohol. That mm -hmm. was my number one challenge in that time is what do I do in those situations? Um, and at the time, like, you know, I was very much known as a guy that's going to bring his own case of beer and here we go. Um, and so for me to show up empty handed and to turn stuff down was bizarre mm. and, uh, and not like me. And so obviously that prompted a bunch of questions. And so I, you know, having to deal with that and sort that out and, and work my way through that was kind of, was kind of tough. Um, but now that I'm on the other side of that, you know, now if somebody offers me a drink, I just say, oh, no, thanks. I'm all set. I don't, I don't have to go and preach. I don't have to go and tell them why I don't need to defend mm -hmm. my decision. Mm -hmm. Just is, I just don't, I just would rather not. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, and if somebody asks me why I'm, I always am willing to kind of open the door, I'll open the door a crack and I'll mm -hmm. see if they want me to keep going. Right. I'll say, Oh no, I, 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 I've chosen not to drink. Um, you know, and if they want to 
keep going down that road, I can start to explain why. And it's actually been really cool. I've, I've had a couple really interesting conversations with people that that chose to kind of walk in that door a little bit and say, oh, well, why is that? And, and I've started to share this story a little bit. It is kind of my journey with mm-hmm. alcohol and alcohol abuse. And, and I think in the way that I tell it, people start to recognize like, oh, you know, that's kind of, you know, I kind of do some of those same things. And and to see someone that can be successful, that can be charming and fun and the life of the party and someone who's got great energy and someone who just enjoys being around people. And so to see someone like that and to see that like, oh, you don't need alcohol to do that. Oh, he likes to dance. Oh, and he's not wasted. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can have these things that oftentimes people associate together, right? Like I got to have a couple of beers mm-hmm. before I go and talk to somebody or, you know, oh, I got to make sure I have my glass of wine before we get dancing. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's all these things start to become tied together, but they're, they don't necessarily have to be. Um, mm-hmm. You just need to make the choice that you're the type of person that just does that. And, and, and so looking at that bigger picture, it's understanding who I am now mm-hmm. and the type of person that I am. Um, Lots of uh, journaling, <laughs> thankfully, lots of counseling, uh, you know, and lots of just kind of talking out loud in a sense mm. where, you know, talking in in confidence with friends, talking in small groups and talking in actually which was really fascinating was talking in um, kind of anonymous support groups was mm-hmm. one of the most profound things that um, helped me, um, mm. but it only helped me so far. And I'll tell you why. So one of the things that was really helpful was hearing people, in a sense, just spill their guts to complete strangers. Just just talk about just some of the darkest, most terrible, hardest things they've ever been through. And I'm like, wow, we just met. This is incredible. Um, and, you know, I, I can remember some of the first meetings I went to. I was like, um, yeah, I just, uh, hi, I'm Andrew. You know, I didn't really, I didn't even want to identify myself yeah. as someone that had a problem. Um, and so so that was something that was really interesting, though, was getting getting that level of vulnerability and being mm-hmm. able to share that changed everything is being willing to be vulnerable in front of one mm. person and then scaling that being willing to be vulnerable in front of multiple people or a group or like here we are on a podcast <laughs> right yeah. is being able to kind of open up in that sense mm. um that has changed my life uh and it started in those 12 step groups now i eventually stopped going to 12 step groups because one of the biggest things that happens there is, is identity and the way mm-hmm. that people are identifying themselves. And so for me, I didn't really want to be, ident- I, I'm Andrew, I'm an alcoholic. I am this mm-hmm. person. I've got this problem. Um, as I was like, eh, I'm going to identify with the positive, you know? Yeah. I, I'm Andrew, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in, in so many ways. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a servant of Christ and that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's me. That that's, that's yeah. an identity that I try to lean into. Um, and so, yeah, there's a kind of a lot of, a lot of threads there, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you started out with really learning about your identity, but, and, but in sharing that witness, um, in little ways, when people were asking, why are you different basically than, than everyone else at this party? Um, how did that ignite you in serving others through coaching and through, through the roles that you have found yourself interviewing people, um, coaching people, just how have you used your own discovery to help others. Sure. I'll share a story. So this is back when I was drinking and it was after, after a night of partying, slept over my friend's house and we went over to get some coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as we're, as we're having, having some coffee and like a bagel, he starts talking to me about 
his life and he starts mm-hmm. kind of sharing some of his story. Um, and so this guy had particularly challenging gambling problem that he had, uh, but he started talking about his dad and how his dad had a gambling problem and like how his dad really wasn't there for him and a whole bunch of other stuff, like really got deep and some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of finished his story. And I was just blown away. I was like, wow, that's, that's really vulnerable. It's really cool that he shared that. Well, I, I, I saw him in a different light and it wasn't a negative mm-hmm. light. I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And then he kind of like stopped, paused, and he looked at me expectantly, like I was going to open my mouth and I was going to start to share. And I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have a story. I didn't have Mm. my story. I didn't know myself enough to be able to add to that conversation. Mm. Um, And at the time I just kind of felt a little bit embarrassed, like, oh, I don't don't have anything to add. But looking back now, like, I'm like, oh, I was so, I'm so deeply sad at how little I knew about myself at Mm. that point in time. And, and how much has changed in, in doing some of the work that it takes to, to know yourself and to be able to connect with other people. And so now what I do is I do what that guy does is I mm-hmm. open up and I'm willing to be vulnerable first, usually is where I'm usually I'm, I'm willing to go and say, hey, you know, this is me. I'm just going to put it out there. And if people want to pick up on that and they want to run with it, I'll, I'll run next to them. And if people want to run for the hills in the opposite direction, uh, it's better that we start the relationship that way. And so um, so that's kind of the way that I've started to live my life. And honestly, it's extraordinarily refreshing because mm-hmm. I know those people that I do interact with, they are liking me and hang out with me because of me. They understand mm-hmm. my past. They understand who I am and they understand um, you know, everything about me. And that was one thing that was really critical with my wife was early in our dating relationship. I kind of, I told her my whole story. It was like probably date seven or eight, something like that. Yeah. Right? We were officially dating, but like, you know, kind of like, where's this dating yeah. thing going? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, listen, I don't want to fall in love with you per se, uh, unless like, you know, who you're falling in love with, unless you know mm-hmm. who you, who you're dealing with here. Um, so I told her the kind of the whole story. Um, and she didn't have a whole lot to say that first that first night that I told her that. And so we kind of went our separate ways. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that might be that. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, she, you know, she came back later and she actually um, brought her guitar and she sang me a song. Um, and it was like, a, it was like, it was a hymn of some kind, uh, like talking about forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful. Uh, you know, brought me to tears. And it was just so cool to, to know that, like, um, you know, God's forgiven me. And mm-hmm. at the same time, like she, she understands that I'm a man with faults and, and, and our relationship has grown from there. And now we're married. Now we got kids and the whole yeah. family and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. So faith has definitely impacted your view of identity as well. So how, how can that, um, help others as well? If you, you know, are in those different communities at church, or if you have gone through AA and have and have learned about a higher power and just how God, God views you as Andrew, how has that impacted um, your daily uh, feel, you know, belief about yourself? So that's been the most interesting thing is, is my, my belief in God, my understanding of kind of my place in the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, Turns out it's not in the center. Um, yeah, it turns out I'm not the center of the universe. And that mm-hmm. was uh, that's a challenging realization to come through if you're a person that's lived there for a while. Yeah. And uh, and so understanding that though, and and getting to a place where um, I'm just going to do what I feel like I'm being led to do, 
And I know that God's going to lead me through whatever the repercussions or the consequences or the ripple effects of that are. And it's allowed me to live more confidently. It's allowed me to be more grounded in my faith. And it's allowed me to, um, in a sense, take chances or open up doors that I wouldn't necessarily have before. So a great example is the role that I'm in now with Mm selfpublishing.com. This was a job that I was like, wow, I'd be a great fit. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to apply. Um, yeah, I prayed about it and I, and I was very much at peace. If I get the job, I get the job. If I don't get the Mm -hmm. job, not where God wants me to be right now. And it was the easiest interview process I've ever had, even though it was the most intense interview process I've ever had. Um, so that was, to me was very interesting, right? I had a lot of different rounds of interviews and different people I was talking to. And I just, I showed up as myself, mm-hmm. not necessarily trying to impress. I'm just going to be me. I'll tell you the stories you want to hear. I'll, I'll share my experience. And if it's a fit, it's a fit. And if it's not, it's not. And we're both better mm-hmm. for it. And and really just kind of, you know, my my faith has, has made living that way much easier. Now, I don't always mm-hmm. get to do that, right? Sometimes yeah. my own anxieties creep in and sometimes mm-hmm. I, I get in my own way. Um, but when I do live that way, um, I find that life is much easier. Yeah. And that's the mission of this podcast and the mission of my business as well, because I put my worth into so many other things. Um, and it's so much more free and easy in the way that you said, when we can just let God take the wheel and be able to know that he alone defines us and not all the other boxes that, that we try to squeeze kind of the round peg in the square hole or the square, right. well, square peg in the round. Right. Well, yeah, whether it's a relationship or a yeah. job or a whatever, right. It's so easy to try and like, try and control it, try and be the one that's in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you, yeah, when, I know every time I started doing that, I, I got myself into trouble. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with how we show up in the world as well. And whether we feel worthy, uh, whether we feel like the fit that we want to be, we, we feel like we belong, uh, because ultimately God's the one that loves and accepts us. So, um, that's really cool that you saw the difference in how to apply for a job in our own way and how to feel kind of led and moved by, um, just your gifts. And if your gifts fit that need, then great. And if they don't, then that doesn't change who Andrew is. And so that, that's, that's really cool. And I also wanted to ask about your, your passion for weight loss, because a lot of people struggle with, um, you know, emotional eating or about their own, their own confidence in, in how they show up in the world, what kind of clothes they wear, um, how they take care of themselves. And so I'm just wondering too, with anyone who may feel defined by the numbers on the scale. Um, what would you, what would you share about your own experience through your books, through uh, your experience in coaching? Sure. So I was a personal trainer for about eight years. Loved that career. That's actually what I did after I was fired from my first job for <laughs> uh, being a hot mess. Um, and so that was a big, a big transition point in my life, right? Where I learned a lot about myself. I made a ton of changes in my life. And for me, one of those changes was, was, uh, was weight loss actually for myself and, and health and wellness for myself. And one of the things that was, you know, really pivotal in that was 
becoming it was being. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I like to do by being. So an example is, um, you know, I like to, uh, by as far as being in, in shape and being health and fitness, I became a personal trainer, right? I was the embodiment of health, wellness, fitness, all of that. And that's the way that I learn best. And that's the way that I absorb best for myself. Mm-hmm. So I just, I decided to become it. I decided to be that thing. And, you know, I've gotten to a point in my career now where I've kind of transitioned because like books are super fascinating and learning and growth. Uh-huh. And so what am I now? I have become that thing. Um, but looking at those people that are struggling, for those people that are stuck, where you look at the scale and whenever it goes up, you're sad. And whenever it goes down, you're happy. And you're on this kind of just ping pong back and forth with your emotions. Uh, biggest thing I, I would recommend is is first know what is most important in your life. And likely um, if you're a pound up or a pound down, if you didn't have a scale, if you didn't know that information, um, how would you feel, (laughs) right? Likely Mm -hmm. you would not have any emotional impact because you're not sure one day to the next, if you weigh all that much different, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe after Thanksgiving, you've maybe got a rough idea, but even then, right? Often we don't necessarily know when we've gained or when we've lost until there's been either a lot of loss or a lot of gain. And then we're like, oh, okay, now I feel something different. And so recognize first that you're putting your identity in something. You're letting something control you. In the same way that I was letting alcohol control and run my life, mm-hmm. you are likely letting, maybe it's food, maybe it is your anxiety, maybe it is the scale. You're letting something in your life or maybe many things control you. And so decide what is going to be the master of your life. For me personally, uh, I've chosen God. That's a lot easier road for me to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I know that for me, I, I have a lot more peace in that. And so consider for yourself, if if it is the scale or if it is food, if you are driven in a particular way, um, start doing that deeper work. That was always one of the biggest things I ran into is, is most of the people I worked with wanted to lose weight in some particular fashion. And it was always like, oh, I got to go on this diet. I got to do all this intense stuff. I got to do this and that. And, and, and. Mm-hmm. and like, as soon as I could see how hypey and how intense they were getting, I'm like, this isn't going to last. This is, this is going to be a little flash in the pan. Um, and inevitably it would be. Now, not everyone was. And the people that had long-term success were the people that maybe, yes, they got obsessed and they got really excited in the short term, but then they started doing some of the work for the long term. And the work that I'm talking about isn't like learning that vegetables are great. It's not the learning of like, oh, I got to learn how to exercise. Those things are important, but it's the learning of yourself. It's the learning of where are my problems? What cycles do I keep falling into? How do I sabotage myself? The learnings there are where that real value is going to come in when it comes to health and when it comes to weight loss. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And how more, um, like when you watch shows like biggest loser or different, um, journeys that take us from where we feel stuck to where we feel more free and how they feel happier and they feel more connected to relationships and they feel less, you know, stuck in the kitchen or less stuck in the gym and, you know, being, being obsessed with one thing or another, trying to, you know, hit that next mark to say, you know, when I'm one pound less, or if I have one more hour of working out, or when I have this and that, then I will be somebody, then I will be lovable. And then I will be this. So yeah, that's really powerful work for you to 
help each other, help um, the, the people you serve to know themselves and to love themselves because then they show up and, you know, then, you know, the show what not to wear to people learned, wear something that shows your best your best self, wear something comfortable that fits your body that shows off, you know, those, those, you know, radiant parts of you, Mm -hmm. um, rather than just, you know, something that distracts from, from the real you. So do you have any thoughts on, on that as well? Just the transformation that you see, um, and how people carry themselves. Oh my goodness. That was always my favorite part was, and, and that's actually some of the most frustrating parts when people didn't get there. And when mm-hmm. I kept working with them and then we just never got there. And so seeing those success stories though, those people that do ultimately change and that do take the time and that do that deeper level of work. That was one of my biggest challenges actually as a personal trainer, there's something called scope of practice where there's mm-hmm. only certain things that I'm really technically going to be able to mm-hmm. do with somebody. Right. And, uh, and some of the scope that I wish I had is some of the stuff that falls under your purview, right. Yeah. Where you're able to dig a little bit deeper. Let's, let's go into some of these deeper mm-hmm. layers. Cause quite frankly, the weight loss and health and the way you take care of your body is an external symptom of an internal problem. Mm-hmm. And you likely, if you are battling some sort of health issue, weight issue, or whatever else in your life, um, there is probably a, an internal component to that. And most people try to not address it. They try to skip that part. They try to be like, well, we'll just let the sleeping giant lie and we'll leave that there. And we'll just do everything on the surface level to try and make things nice. And really at the end of the day, it's, it's not sustainable because eventually that sleeping giant does wake up and it takes the wheel again. It, it takes control again. And so for, for anyone who is battling and is struggling and, mm-hmm. and, and does have that, that sense of, um, like, I, I like, you can't even do it. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I, I keep trying, I keep going into the cycle where I try and I do well. And then I fall off the wagon is start identifying those parts of your cycle where you're doing really well. Start identifying those times when you do fall off or when things stop working well, and then identify what happens after things stop working well. And then how long does it take you to start doing things well again, right? And that's really your full cycle. And for some people, they can go through like a hypey about weight loss and I'm really crushing it to knocked off and I'm not doing anything and I'm back on the couch. They do that every week. Right. Mm-hmm. And it starts on Monday and today's a new day. It's Monday. It's dieting time. <laughs> blah, 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 right. And you go all the way through to Friday without eating or not hardly eating at all. And I just had water and lettuce today. And then you get to Friday and it's like, woo, beer and tacos. Right. And then it's like you're into the weekend and then you go back and you start Monday again. And you're like, oh, I feel terrible about myself. Oh, I did so, oh, I did so much bad stuff to my body. I got to go and recover now. And so now Monday, you start that cycle again. That's a micro cycle. But then there's also the bigger picture where, you know, sometimes you stop caring for years, decades, mm-hmm. and, and your body pays the price for that. Um, and really what it comes down to is a lot of that internal work that, that you probably are inclined to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, in, in wrapping up, would you like to finish the phrase, you are more? So you are more dot, dot, dot. So if you were to tell the listeners uh, something, if it were your last, you know, your last words or your summing, summing up of, you know, what you've learned about your own identity, how would you say that um, you are more? I would say this, you are more than you give yourself credit for. 
mm-hmm. is, I know for me, when I was in some of my darkest places, I did not see myself as very much. I did not have very good idea who I was or what I was good at. And anything that people said about me, um, in a sense, because I'd created this fake image, anytime I got a compliment, it was a compliment of the fake image. It was a compliment of this mm-hmm. creation. <clears throat> it wasn't a compliment of me. Mm. And so my biggest recommendation for people would be is when people do give you compliments or they do give you insights, some of that may be a creation that you've created that they're saying nice things about. Um, But there's also probably some deeper truth there because I was a party boy and I was always out and drinking and having fun. And, but at the end of the day, I am a connector. I really enjoy being around people. I really enjoy sharing and I really enjoy uh, giving and receiving energy. That to me Mm. is very exciting. And when I look at the core of that, right, party boy was like the external part of it. That's kind of the part that's like, I fortunately, you know, made some distance from, Mm -hmm. but the core behind that of being a warm, genuine person that enjoys connecting and, and having good fellowship with people, that was the core of that identity. And so I'd recommend to people as you're receiving compliments and as people are saying nice things about you, yes, maybe they're saying about this fake thing that you've created, but there's also probably something deeper there though. There's something behind that. There's something even another layer or two down where it's actually going to hit, where it's actually going to connect with you. And it's actually going to land for a part of who you really, really are, who you are deep down. Because likely uh, even now I've still got these images and these personas that I've created, you know, this Mr. Podcaster guy, this like super, <laughs> you know, like all these things, right? They're all creations, right? Yeah. Um, but really at the end of the day, who, you know, who am I at my core? Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of those things is connecting and that, that starts to show itself by being a podcaster, right. By, by being willing to be vulnerable. And, and so I show up in an external way that way, but know that there's something deeper that, that speaks to you anytime someone compliments you. And so my recommendation for people, as you're listening, your goal today, or the next time this happens, next time someone compliments you, I want you to say, thank you. And then shut mm-hmm. your mouth. <laughs> and then just be quiet. Don't discount it. Don't downplay it. Don't avoid it. Don't none of that. Accept the compliment and then start thinking, what about that's true? What about that is real about yeah. me? And likely you'll get more and more compliments over time on different things. And if you use those compliments as a guide, you're going to start to find those things that make you special, that make yeah. you different. And you don't even realize why and how you're special. Oftentimes I didn't, I didn't realize I was Mr. Energy. I didn't know that. I just, I just was, I just am. And (laughs) it wasn't until I got enough compliments. I started actually receiving them that I understood, oh, that's different. Not Mm -hmm. everyone is like this. This is a particular gift Mm -hmm. that I have. So it really starts with accept the compliment and then ruminate on that compliment. Mm. I like that. When you were saying about uh, compliments, I thought of the Midwestern joke about if someone compliments your clothes, then you you immediately say how much you bought them for. You're 100%. Like, oh, it's a dollar. I got oh, it for a dollar. I got it at the thrift store. Don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, just say thank you for the outfit. You don't have to say how cheap it was. <laughs> yes. That's it. So, and that's exactly it. Is 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 don't add in anything extra. Accept yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that great wisdom. And I am excited to hear so many other people's uh, take on your more. 
Um, but how can people get in touch with you? What can they, um, where, where can they go to follow you? Sure. Best place for that is LinkedIn and Facebook. So, and if you want to drop those in okay. the show notes, that's probably the best way to do it. I could say it, um, uh, linkedin.com slash, I think there's another random letter in there. Um, and then my, my handle is Andrew J. Biernat. So that's where I okay. show up everywhere. So Andrew J. Biernat, uh, that's where you find me. There's a couple other Andrews out there. Okay. There's I'm another not... Andrew Biernat. Uh, Who's an is... actor. I just. Yeah, there's like, like an ag- actor and fitness model. Okay. That's not me. That's the, that's another one. There's another one. That's a, a, a Google engineer. I'm also not oh. that one. Um, okay. So I'm kind of the guy that's... somewhere in the middle. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to continuing working with you in my own publishing journey. And I hope other people get in touch with you as well. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. It's great. Hello. On this podcast, you will hear guests share their story and what they have learned. You know what? You have a story that's worth telling and you are the only one who can share it. I have thoroughly enjoyed having Andrew coach me through writing, publishing, marketing, and much, much more. I have learned so much from the whole community at selfpublishing.com. Are you interested in becoming a self-published author this year? With the help of selfpublishing.com, you can be. Go to anniharton.com forward slash book to get in touch with me for more information and get a free copy of Chandler Bolt's book published. Go to anniharton.com forward slash 